Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Blokeology, Evidence-Based Life and Healthy Skepticism. Um, and I'll just say it once this week, unlike last week where I think I managed to say healthy skepticism twice. So on with today's show. As it's the month of August, I wanted to bring you a couple of episodes related to books and reading and book recommendations. It has to be one of my most favorite things to talk about books. And the summer break is always a great chance to dive in um, and catch up on a bit of reading when um, away on the holidays. And a lot of people seem to uh, refresh and revitalize their reading at this time. Um, actually, and I'm just trying a little new format as well today, which is I'm going to make a recommendation on three books. And in next uh, and then the next episode, I've also got an interview with John Richmond, who's been on the show before, and he's also going to be recommending three books. And it might be something that I'm able to add in regularly, get book recommendations and um, just a few brief words about each of those books to get you turned on to um, areas you might want to read about. Uh, the episodes will be quite short, probably about 15 to 20 minutes. So it's just going to be a quick dive in and uh, chance to, rather than exploring the books in great depth. So before I get onto my books, I just want to, as usual, uh, point out a couple of things that I've been up to. Uh, I've managed to refresh the website a little bit, so get along to blokeology.io and have a look there. I've also just published um, a couple of new articles on there as well. One very short one, which is just about the evidence um, related to uh, cycling. And uh, wearing a bicycle jacket, it was about a randomized controlled trial, which showed uh, the very first randomized controlled trial, which did seem to show a benefit of wearing a yellow bicycle jacket. So pop along to the website to have a quick read of that. Um, but the other one I've written is a slightly longer article called Four Lessons in High Intensity Skepticism. And this comes off the back of a paper that was published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine back in, um, well, I think it was officially published in an issue in June, but it looked like it was available online from February onwards. Um, and it raised a few issues for me, perhaps around my own biases initially about high intensity interval training, but also because very intriguingly, there's been an expression of concern raised about that paper, which um, made some quite startling claims that high intensity training was a magic bullet for fat loss. But in fact, when you look at the forest plot, it's uh, not all clear. And um, some other researchers highlighted that a couple of the papers that were included don't look to have entirely robust findings. It's all back with the authors at the moment getting re-looked at, but it looks quite possible that uh, the, uh, the findings aren't going to be what they originally thought they were. And there is perhaps no effect whatsoever. The interesting thing about that already, particularly from a communication of science point of view, that the damage is really already done. And um, there's a tremendous amount of information out there being shared on blogs and news outlets and getting tweeted saying that um, high intensity interval training can help you lose weight. And really, uh, the evidence isn't quite there yet. And certainly the evidence that was there has been called into question and we're waiting to find out. So if you want to have a little read about that, you can pop along to the website. If you want to support the blog uh, and the podcast, then please uh, sign up for the newsletter. That's probably the most valuable thing you can do and the most appreciated. You can find uh, lots of opportunities to do that on the website as well, blokeology.io. Okay, 
So the books I wanted to talk about today are going to be the Blokology three books on skepticism, a beginner's toolkit, if you like. So it's three books that if you're brand new to thinking about the evidence, you're brand new to thinking about skepticism, they, these are three books that had a big impact on me and really helped me to understand a lot more about how to go about looking at the evidence and tackling it. So the first one, the, I should say that two of them are slightly more technical. One of them is very accessible, and we'll do the very accessible one first. And that one is Bad Science by Ben Goldacre. Now, I had a look, and it was actually published back in 2008 now. So really, gosh, you know, 11 years at the time of recording. And um, I do remember when this came out, and I was blogging at the time about evidence, and Ben Goldacre was clearly a big figure in that movement, skepticism, uh, fighting pseudoscience, tackling homeopathy, tackling all sorts of people. I noticed that one of the chapters in the book actually relates to a woman called Gillian McKeith, who was very well known back at that time for, prom for promoting a certain amount of, well, woo, uh, and notorious for looking at people's poo in fact, as it um, on TV programs. Um, and Ben devoted a whole chapter to her. But I was having a flick through the book again now, and I think it remains an incredibly accessible, enjoyable, easy read, um, which does cover some topics of quite significant, um, quite significant complexity. And it is thoroughly um, steeped in the evidence. So it's a really highly recommended book. Uh, very enjoyable. I certainly, I think Ben would say that he's moved on himself from that kind of um, process of just bashing pseudoscience. And he's now involved in all sorts of relatively grown up projects. Um, but he certainly doesn't pull any punches when it comes to tackling homeopathy, uh, tackling something called Brain Gym, which promised to make all our children super intelligent. Uh, Gillian McKeith have already mentioned. Um, and he gets into some interesting areas around statistics, health scares, and also the um, MMR contro controversy, vaccine controversy, which still rumbles on now as we still have problems with uh, the population not getting vaccinated. You know, there are lots of conspiracy theories around about vaccination. And as we discussed last week with Dan Jolly, um, conspiracy theories are um, very real for some people. And there are lots of um, reasons why uh, people start having those beliefs and, and why they get perpetuated. Um, ben Goldacre actually describes it in the final chapter as the media's MMR hoax which is, and he has an interesting spin on it, that really the whole thing was largely created by the way that it was portrayed in the media um, and, got, and went on from there. Um, it is certainly not without its flaws. I, I remember at the time being slightly irritated with some aspects of the placebo chapter that I think sometimes some of the papers quoted in there are perhaps not the most powerful studies, and yet they're given a, new, they're given a certain amount of um, credence that perhaps if it was a study that was all about homeopathy, uh, we certainly wouldn't be rushing to do. So arguably, I find that one of the slightly weaker areas of the book, but I was looking back through it again, and actually it's a long old chapter, and there's a lot of evidence that's covered there. And um, overall, 
still highly recommended. If you don't read anything else, then getting into bad science will give you a really good grounding in lots of different areas, which will help you become a little bit more attuned, help your skeptical radar um, pick up uh, the nonsense and the woo that is out there. The next book that I want to recommend. Now, this is a little bit more technical, and it's usually recommended as a textbook for textbook for healthcare professionals, anybody going into studying. But I think it has a much wider potential readership as well. And it has been phenomenally successful over the years. It's now in its sixth edition, and it is the how the book How to Read a Paper, The Basics of Evidence-Based Medicine and Healthcare by Trisha Greenhouse. Now, Trisha is very well known in um, generally and internationally as a researcher, especially well known, and we're especially proud of her in Britain because she's a GP, an academic GP. Um, but one, um, she's a professor and has really been um, a leading light when it has come to uh, the approaches and her advocacy for evidence-based medicine. Um, and the book is, with although it has a rather daunting title um, related to evidence-based medicine, remains incredibly readable. Uh, I certainly think it would be Fantastic reading for anybody who wants to expand their knowledge. It's uh, recommended for, I would, I would say you can recommend it for people like journalists, science journalists. And I th as well as being kind of getting into some quite technical areas, it also just provides a lot of pragmatic frameworks that you can use to actually systematically go through a paper and um, work out what is important, what may have been done well, what may hasn't, what perhaps hasn't been done as well. Um, the fact that it's in a sixth edition is testament to its enduring power, um, particularly. Um, the, she gives information in the start about why you might even want to get into evidence-based medicine. She offers information on tackling how to search the literature. And then um, a little bit about what the paper's about, some, you know, how to get your bearings, a, a very small amount about the key kinds of studies like randomized control trials, cohort studies, case control studies, cross-sectional surveys, case reports. And then she gives us some tools for assessing the sort of quality of those. And she even has a short chapter. It's only about 17, 18 pages long, which is about statistics for the non-statistician. And that in itself is just a brilliant summary of some of the most important aspects that you'll need to understand papers. Uh, she talks about complex interventions, surrogate endpoints, you know, papers that report, and the way that she does it is, is, you know, very easy. She talks about papers that report on trials of complex interventions, papers that report diagnostic or screening tests, papers that summarize other papers, systematic reviews and meta-analyses, which, which I have talked about a lot and we are often the go-to ones. Papers that tell you what things cost, papers that go beyond numbers. So into qualitative research of which she's been, you know, uh, I know that's partly her research as well. It is simply an excellent book. The most recent editions have even got uh, sections on papers that describe genetic association studies. So that's a whole new area that wouldn't have existed in. Uh, that might be new for this edition. Um, I haven't seen that. So she even finishes with some understanding and criticisms of evidence-based healthcare. And I can't recommend this book highly enough. If you're serious about tackling evidence, learning more about how to understand evidence, 
then this you may never need to go further than this book uh, it can tell you could you can build your entire you know understanding of science and medicine particularly and healthcare there's enough here to lead you through a lifetime of critical appraisal of studies uh, peer reviewing of studies writing about them thinking about them putting data together um it is really probably the should be the number one book um on anybody's list when it comes to understanding evidence-based medicine and i think probably it is if you're already in the healthcare professions it probably has already been read by yourself you probably already understand that so two books so far ben goldacre's bad science and trisha greenhouse's how to read a paper Okay, so those two books were relatively easy to choose, but I agonized a little bit more over this third book. So if you had a, like kind of three books as a basic toolkit for skeptics, a basic beginner's toolkit to understand how to appraise evidence, where would you go next? Well, one area I thought about and that sits on my bookshelf is um, a book by Peter Goertz, which is called Deadly Medicines and Organized Crime. And... It is a massive um, exploration and uh, of the way that the pharmaceutical industry has influenced healthcare and some of, well, as he would describe it, as Peter would describe it, has corrupted healthcare. It is an astonishing book, but it only really covers pharmaceutical industry. And so therefore, I couldn't include that. The other one you might want to consider is Ben Goldacre's book. Bad Farmer, which also covers a similar topic, but in perhaps a less dense way, but again, has that limitations. So in fact, the book that I have suggested is one that I've seen very other few people have, and it was published um, back in, it's by Oxford University Press. It was published back in 2006. Um, I'm not actually sure if there's ever been another edition, and it's called Bandelier's Little Book of Making Sense of the Medical Evidence. Little Book of Making Sense of the Medical Evidence. I'll make sure there's a link in there for this. And it's one of the um, Oxford handbook kind of books. And if you've been involved in the healthcare professions at all, you'll know exactly what I mean. They're a very handy size. They've got a nice little flexi plastic cover, which is very durable. And... It describes itself as the essential tools for assessing medical evidence. And it is a remarkable bit of work. It's There's so much detail here. And it takes a lot of what Trisha Greenhouse had done. And it's just layers on an extra level of detail and an extra layer of complexity. It is really quite dense, but it is fantastic. I would recommend this as well for the placebo chapter alone. Um, and they've got a really interesting take on the placebo chapter. Let me read what they say at the start. Uh, placebo means lots of different things to different people, leading to endless confusion because we all use the same word but mean different things. The phrase placebo effect is a greater nightmare because some people use it to mean what happens when you do nothing, while others consider that using a placebo creates an effect over and above doing nothing. The key to thinking about placebo, about how we use it in trials, why we use it in trials and what to do with the results when we have them is to take a deep breath, clear the mind and start afresh. Now, I think that sets out some of the 
initial difficulty with talking about placebo right at the very beginning and they do take a deep breath and then there's the chapter that follows is really rather wonderful um i think if i had to summarize it if you're curious i would say that they probably do find some small placebo effect but in fact it's nowhere near as big as uh, you might think it is um and that's a really it's a really fascinating um exploration of that which is um well worth reading on its own it also goes into all the details of the different kinds of studies that exist as well and really adds a lot of kind of meat to the bones if you like that trisha greenhouse offers um so it's highly recommended the bandelier group used to be based in oxford i think and they did a lot of evidence-based medicine work i'm not sure if bandelier still exists i will i will look them up before posting the um uh, the show notes and um, if to see whether they're still in existence, they were, were a rem- rather remarkable organization, which sort of have led the way in terms of evidence. They may have morphed into something else now. Um, I'm not entirely familiar with exactly where they are now. So there's my three books, uh, Bad Science by Ben Goldacre, How to Read a Paper by Trisha Greenhouse, and Bandelier's Little Book of Making Sense of the Medical Evidence. Uh, and that was written by Andrew, Andrew Moore, and Henry McKee. All of them highly recommended. I They are still go-to books for me on my bookshelf, certainly the uh, the last two, How to Read a Paper and Bandelier's book. And they are day-to-day helpful and incredibly useful. So a little bit technical. They're not like easy reading non-fiction, at least the, other, the second two aren't. But if you are looking for a basic toolkit to get yourself sorted when it comes to evidence-based medicine, that would be my three recommendations. Okay, well, thanks for listening. You can find the full show notes at www.blocology.io. You can also sign up for the newsletter, the Journal of Blocology at www.blocology.io forward slash journal. Sign up and I'll make sure that I send you the Healthy Bloke Action Plan. It would be enormously helpful if you've enjoyed the show, if you've got anything out of it, if you could pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or just leave a rating, that would be incredibly helpful. And any feedback is very welcome, all of which can be found at blokeology.io. Thanks again.